Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Buenos tardes, mi amigo. Hola, my good friend. Cinco de Mayo on Tuesday and I hope we'd see each other again Hola to Michaels Mikey like you It's my fantastic podcast I'm going to talk a lot about training and I hope I can make my boner go away hello everyone it is uh, Mikey Likes You episode number 16 holy mackerel how did I get all the way up to 16 um, I promised you that I would talk about training episode 15. That's right. The last episode that you heard before this one was all about diet. And I got um, a lot of positive feedback. I tried really, 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 really hard to give you information that you could use. Um, my whole goal was to make it so that like you could create your own diet and not, ad- not have to adhere to something that you're reading, not have to adhere to something that you see someone else doing. Um, this reductionist idea of like, okay, I can't eat A, B, and C, therefore my diet is correct if I eat D, E, and F. It's not what it's really about. Um, I wanted to give you like the major tenets of what it is to have a diet and a diet that fits your goal and, um, and is also sustainable. That's like a big thing for me that a lot of like fit fluencers don't really seem to hammer down um, because – you know, I could tell you a lot of things if you, like, wanted to get super shredded in four weeks or lose a, a tremendous amount of weight in four weeks or whatever it was, you know. But um, that's not really reality. That's not how things are done. If you want to have, like, long-term success, that's not really how it's done. Um, you gotta, you got to really stress sustainability. So, you know, I just – like I said, I want to give you the tenets of what it is to put together a diet – Um, information that I've gleaned from people that I trust and also a lot of information just from my experience of failing a lot and and succeeding a bit. Um, With training, I I don't necessarily think you have to be super jacked or super high level to be a good trainer or coach. I think some of the best coaches are not necessarily the best players and some of the best strength and conditioning coaches aren't buff. Um, I really do believe that that's more of a cerebral issue than people understand it to be. Diet, on the other hand, I really do think you can't be taking diet advice from people who aren't lean and aren't muscular. I mean, unless you're an athlete in like some type of sport where that person excels at it. You know, like powerlifting, for instance. If someone's not ripped and they're giving you advice on how to eat for a powerlifting meet and they've got a 
you know, a 3,000 pound total in the three lifts, then okay, obviously take their advice. But my point being, if you're talking about getting in good shape, looking better naked, you can't, honestly, you don't want to take advice from people who, let's say, are obese at one point and then lost a lot of weight. You can get advice from them. You can get some understanding from them, and I, I'm not saying what they what they're saying isn't valid. What I'm saying is, when it comes to like really the bare bones, the actual dirty facts that you need to know, you need to hammer home all the stuff that you don't want to do that you really need to do, all the stuff that you are doing that you shouldn't be doing. You got to talk to someone who's been through the trenches when it comes to diet. I, that that's my personal opinion. Uh, Charles Poliquin um, used to call trainers, you know, fat trainers. He called them virgin sex ed teachers and and there's some value to that like i said i mean if you're obviously someone who's in tremendous shape can give you a little bit more credible advice i guess on the surface you know when it comes to training but with diet it's really really true i mean because there's just so many people who are giving advice about diet a lot of this holistic bullshit you know celery juice nonsense gluten-free bullshit and and all you want to do is look and feel better and i'm telling you Take it from someone who's been there, who's done that. Because there's a lot of it's simple. It's simple to understand, but it's really hard to apply. Yeah. So I'll leave it. The like I said, this one's going to be all about training to kind of complement the last episode, which was all about diet. But before we get to that, um, I did get one recurring um, question when it came to diet from the last episode and it was why do I have to eat so much protein I'm not a bodybuilder I don't want to be big and bulky especially a lot of females I don't want to be big and bulky I don't want big hulking muscles so why do I have to eat so much protein well here's why really three reasons highest TEF thermal effect of food highest by far of all the macronutrients the macronutrients being um, carbohydrates fat and protein um, you hear you hear them often referred to as the macros. Protein has a substantially, substantially higher thermic effect of food compared to the other macronutrients. 20 to 25% of the energy gets wasted as heat, making the true metabolic impact closer to 3.25 kilograms per gram as opposed to 4, which is which is what it's labeled at. You get you get essentially more bang for your caloric buck. All right. Just to put it into perspective, carbs have like a two to four percent thermic effect of food, whereas protein again has a twenty to twenty-five percent. That means the heat created in digestion of protein creates your metabolic twenty-five to twenty to twenty-five percent higher um, metabolic effect from the heat that it is created. Also called thermic effect of feeding, thermic effect of food, whatever the TEF. Um, and that's, you know, from this is, uh, let me go to my reference here. Uh, metabolism of energy nutrients from AMJ clean nutrition, 1995, uh, Livesy metabolize energy macronutrients journal. Um, it also has the greatest effect on satiety. So it's, it's more satisfying and more filling than the other, um, than the other macronutrients, fat and, and carbohydrates. I'll give you a little story. I started working with Martin Burkhan, uh, the guy who really is the godfather of um, intermittent fasting. You may have heard me reference him. His website is leangains.com. 
I highly recommend it. And also, his book is The Lean Gains Method, I believe. Either way, Martin Burkhan, B-E-R-K-H-A-N. I started to work with him. Um, actually, like, in a professional capacity, paid him money to work, work with me training and diet-wise. This was about two, two years ago. And he wrote out, he got my, my stats, you know, my body weight, my body fat percentage, height, all that, and amount of training. He came up with my metabolic kind of cal- my caloric demand to be at about 2300 to 2350 calories a day. So that's what he had me at to be in a perfect deficit. Excuse me. So my my actual basal metabolic rate was probably around 2800. So he had me at about 2300 to 2350. A 500 calorie 500 calorie reduction um a deficit in order to lose body fat. The protein was so high that my problem wasn't staying on the diet, okay, staying under the caloric demands that he put for me. It was literally I couldn't eat, I couldn't finish my food. He had me at 1.6, 1.75 grams per pound of body weight. At the time, I was probably like 185. So we're talking like 270-something grams of protein, you know. And because my food, and I was only eating three meals a day, because my caloric um, demands were at 2300 I was surprised because I thought I was going to be starving because I'm used to eating 3,000 something calories a day I literally couldn't finish all my food and that, that was the first email I sent to the guy I was like hey got all the info training's going great here's my problem I'm stuffed I can't eat all the food to get to 2300 something calories so that just let me know right there firsthand no kind of study no anything that when you're pumping up your protein to these these high levels not only is it preserving your muscle mass not only is it boosting your metabolism it's super filling and super filling is super good when you're dieting (laughs) okay white rice and bread and those things that we all know like are not super filling that's where you get into trouble i could i could so easily eat no exaggeration if you gave me bread, like a good white bread, and some peanut butter and jelly, I'll put away 3,000 calories, no problem, in one sitting. No problem. I, I wouldn't even probably be at my max yet. But when I was trying to eat chicken breast and, and haddock and halibut and, you know, lean beef and get three, uh, you know, get to... 2300 I, I would get to like 1850 and be just fucking stuffed so satisfaction comes at you know it comes in in high when it comes to protein so that's that's reason number two thermic effective food or thermic effective feeding number one so your metabolic boost number two being that it's super satisfying and filling number three it spares muscle protein stores <clears throat> now now we're getting into the territory where everybody gets confused because they say, well, I don't want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. I don't get need protein. Listen, sparing muscle protein stores is more than just getting big hulking muscles. You know, one gram a pound per pound of body weight is what I recommend. And that may be adequate, assuming energy balance. But in a dieting situation, you can actually be in need of more protein. In a calorie deficit, de novo glucogenesis, which is like – a fancy way of saying that dietary protein or muscle protein uh, 
it gets it gets switched over to carbohydrates or glucose. It becomes greatly accelerated. The de novo gluconeogenesis, all DNG, it gets accelerated in, in to a to a rather large degree, upwards of 30 30% when you're in a caloric deficit. So having an ample supply of protein available from the diet um it prevents amino acids or protein from being used in the, the de novo glucogenesis process. High protein intake will result in faster fat loss. That's the, that's the bottom line when it comes to that. It comes with greater fat loss, greater satiety, and muscle preservation, which is absolutely paramount when you're talking about fat loss, when you talk about transforming your body, making it look better. Weight loss and fat loss are not the same thing. That needs to be hammered home. If you're only concerned with weight loss, if you're tremendously obese, here's the key. Eat less. Exercise. Burn some calories. Eat less. You don't even need to exercise. Eat way less. Do not eat as much as you want to eat. Do not eat as much as your body needs. You will lose weight. If you watch Survivor, people lose a shit fucking ton of weight. If you look at people who are, you know, I hate to bring up something so grim, but Look at like prisoners of war. They lose a insane amount of weight. You know why? They're not eating. Being in a caloric deficit equals weight loss. The end. The bigger the deficit, the bigger the weight loss. Obviously, long term, that doesn't it doesn't add up that way because there's metabolic adjustments and you can you know you can cut your calories too much. But my point being is that that's just weight loss. I don't think anybody in their right mind is concerned with simply weight loss. Because being skinny and having an ugly physique, in my opinion, worse than being overweight. Male and female. Look, that, that's totally subjective, but I think there's a lot of you out there listening, shaking your head. I'd much rather have a, you know, I'd be, rather be the doughy, pudgy, fun guy than the, the skinny fat dude. And I think there's a lot of chicks out there. I know from a male straight male standpoint, I'd much prefer a girl who's, got a little push into the cushion than compared to a girl who's a size zero but flat, flabby, which is what you're getting if you're looking strictly for weight loss. Muscle mass is not only about being big and bulky and being a bodybuilder and being this hulking, vulgar thing. That's not what muscle is about. Muscle in and of itself is the most crucial aspect to health. Um, so many guys write me and they're like, hey, I just want to be ripped. I don't need to be big. But I, you, I look at the picture they send me. They don't have any muscle. I was like, what do you, what do you expect? Do you expect to turn into Christian Bale in American Psycho without just by like running and dieting? That's not you, – you need muscle mass. A, it's better for your metabolic rate. It's better for longevity and long-term health. Every senior citizen, one of the first things they measure when they look at senior citizens and their overall health is, comp- is their composition of body mass. So senior citizens who carry muscle mass, who, who actually have muscle, are, are not only have higher bone density, but they also are fitter. They're, they're, they're much in much better shape. Your cardiac ability, your respiratory ability, everything is improved by having muscle mass. It's simply not about just being a giant bulky thing. So you ladies and you men out there, if you're, if you're, if you don't have any muscle, if you're just a, a you know a skinny guy or a, a chick like your average chick, and you want to look like, you know, fill in the blank Jessica Biel or something, or even Jessica Alba, it doesn't come by running a lot and dieting and rice cakes. 
Muscle mass is going to take you longer. It gives you much more bang for your buck. It fills up your savings account when it comes to looking good in the mirror. All right. So, I mean, that that's just one kind of thing I want to hammer home, that there is real, actual, objective reasons why I want you to pump that protein up. Um, and it's not just because I'm a meathead. I, albeit, I'm a meathead. But there there's some reasons to it. Okay. Let's get into training. Um, I told you I was going to do an episode all about training. Um, and uh, I put up a video at Mikey Likes You 1. Mikey, at Mikey Likes You 1, the number one, not the, le- uh, not the word. So you guys give me your questions. I'm going to right now. You got, I got a lot of good questions. Uh, K-May, at K-May, what's the ideal rest time between sets? The longer rest, the more reps I can achieve in that following set. But is that the best way to do it? Thanks, Mike. Absolutely. Um, the real problem with things like um, CrossFit, with uh, P90X, F45, whatever it is, where you're taking uh, weight training or resistance training and doing it in these intervals where you're contra- – you're, 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 um, God, I can't, my brain does not work today. I've had a long day. Sorry, people. Um, where you're truncating the rest periods is that it defeats the purpose of strength training. Here's a tip, and I, this is – I don't care if you think differently. I don't care if some trainer told you differently. This is important. Get it through your head for people big, small, female, male, old, and young. Strength training is for strength. Conditioning is for conditioning. If you mix the two, you will always be mediocre at both. When you are in the gym to lift weights, lift weights. Do not try to shorten your rest periods to get a boost in conditioning, to up the burn, the fat burning ability. All you'll end up doing is detracting from your ability to get the amount of reps or the amount of weight that you would have gotten, which is the most important thing, bar none. Progressive overload, okay? What does that mean? What does that mean to you? It means picking the right exercises, exercises that fit your ability, your goal, your structure, and... Um, and give you a good kind of bang for your buck when it comes to what you're wanting to train. That gives good tension to the muscles that you intend to train. Find those exercises and progressively get stronger in those exercises over time. That is it. Now, when it comes to conditioning, I'm not saying don't do it, but you it's got to be a separate workout. Do not mix do not think that you're going to get some like all-inclusive, amazing, magic bullet workout by doing your, you know, your intervals while you're doing your weight training. That is absolutely asinine, and I can't stand when people do it, or when more so, I can't stand when trainers have people do it. You know why? Because all they're doing is trying to give you the impression that they're earning their paycheck. Because it makes you super tired and it makes you super sweaty. But it is not in any way optimal for performance or for looking better. You want to look better? It's really, honestly, it's simple. Pick the right movements, get stronger at them over time. In the right, in the right rep range. If you want, if you're only concerned with strength, if you're an off-season football player and you're like, dude, I got to get stronger. I can't, I mean, I'm getting pushed all over the front line. Okay. Three to five reps, get stronger in that rep range. If you want to look better, you want to, you're looking to lose body fat. Uh, you want to just have that, a, 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 
like really appealing physique, female or male, six to eight reps. So, uh, eight to ten on some exercises if we're really getting into the weeds. But honestly, six six to eight is really a nice magic number for like the overall best because you're going to get stronger. You're going to hit that kind of overall max um, your 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 kind of peak strength and then also hypertrophy is going to be hit but also it also prevents you if you're not looking for hypertrophy or muscle gain muscle size gain um if you're in a caloric deficit you can stay at six to eight reps and you won't be kind of spinning your wheels a big problem is people go into the 10 to 15 reps which is really better for for hyper for muscle growth than super heavy weights um that's that's a, a really good rep range for for growth. The problem is is that people want their cake and they want to eat it too. So they start dieting for body fat loss and then training for muscle growth, and you end up spinning your wheels. And that's a that's another recipe for disaster. If you want to lose body fat, you want to have a change your body composition and look better. Six to eight reps. If you want to get com- really strong and absolute strength is paramount for you. Um, if you're a power lifter, Olympic lifter, if you are a football player, well, you know what I'm, you know who I, I'm talking to. Three to five reps, sometimes as low as one and two. Going down to singles ha- can be programmed when you're when you're looking for absolute strength. If you're looking for muscle growth, 12, 15 reps. That's honestly, I mean, that's straight from super training, uh, like the, the kind of the Bible when it comes to athletic performance and training, and it's been proven true time and time again. You don't need to stick with that forever. There's always times to periodize, but look, I'm giving you the basic absolute must do, and that is pick the right exercises and do them for the right rep range and get stronger in that rep range over time. That's it. No ifs, ands, or buts. So if you're going in there and you're doing a deadlift and you're doing, let's say, five reps, and then you rest for 30 seconds and you can only do three reps the next exercise, the next set, you're destroying yourself. You're, you're completely fucking shooting yourself in the foot. Three minutes. At the very least, a minute and a half. If you're like crunch for time, a minute and a half, ninety seconds is going to be, in my opinion, the bare minimum you should be resting. I rest three to five minutes when I'm when I'm lifting weights. Now, if I'm doing a you know a rowing circuit, if I'm doing sprints, I will manipulate my rest period so that I can work on conditioning. That's a totally separate issue, but don't mix the two. You again. You will. You will be perpetually mediocre at both if you start mixing the two. So uh, there you go. I've been doing two hundred. This is from at Utterson. I've been doing two hundred fifty plus pull ups a week during the lockdown. My lats have gotten bigger, but my traps have not. Okay, well, makes a lot of sense. I use a very wide grip in every set. What can I do to get that huge Tom Hardy warrior back? Also, what gym exercise do you recommend? Assuming we're back beasting the weights next week. Um. Well, your answer to your first exercise is pull-ups are not going to do very much for your um, for your traps. They are a lat exercise. There's going to be some rhomboid there. There's going to be some you know mid back. Yes, but as far as isolating your traps, a lot of people they like to do shrug after shrug after shrug. Not really, in my opinion, not the best way. And I I you know I'm not I don't know, I don't want to sound like a fuckhead, but. I have a pretty good set of traps for a guy my size. And people always ask me, they're like, oh, what, do you shrug barbell? I don't shrugs. I don't do shrugs. I don't think they are optimal for a myriad of reasons. One is because 
it's a really weird motion, and you can't really isolate the traps very well when you're doing it. So if you're not isolating your traps very well with an isolation exercise, you're also not getting very much bang for your buck in every, everything else. I heavy deadlift. I deadlift very heavy. At least, you know, relative to me and my abilities. I'm not going to win any powerlifting competitions, but I deadlift, and I deadlift consistently, and I deadlift heavy. I also do farmer's carries. I, those two, and I, those have, I've seen my entire back and my upper, my upper back, especially my lats, my erectors. Um, I put up a picture of my back, I don't know, two or three months ago, and people were like blown away. They're talking about like, how many pull downs do you do? I was like, dude, I do rows, like barbell rows, I do deadlifts, and I do farmer's carries, and I do weighted chin ups. That's it. Getting back to my last point. Find the right exercises. I find those exercises. I, I, take, I take a log book, an exercise log, with me every single time. And that's not something you drop in the toilet. An exercise log is a notebook that you write down every set, all the reps and all the weight, so that I know I can progressively overload it and can progressively get better in every exercise. Chin-ups, weighted, if you can do it. If you can't, if you can only do unweighted pull, chin-ups, do them. Uh, I do seal rows which is a row lying down, face down on a, on a bench so that I don't get any momentum in it. And I do uh, deadlifts. And deadlifts and farmer's carries will, will blow your traps up. And they're great for core stabilization. I highly recommend people working in the farmer carry into, into their um, training. Essentially, a farmer carry is taking something heavy and walking around with it, carrying it down by your waist. You're carrying it like you're carrying a suitcase. I do one-handed ones, which are oftentimes called uh, suitcase carries. I do that for a reason. Um, having the imbalance of a heavy weight on one side, it forces me to use my obliques and my core to kind of stabilize that and keep myself standing upright. And it gives me, it's just an incredible workout, grip strength, traps, arms, and then core. Um, so there you go. There's your trap, uh, protocol. Also, if you're really focusing on the yoke or the upper back area, which is your traps, your mid back, your rhomboids, things like that, bastardizations of the Olympic lifts are great. So um, sh- uh, snatch grip shrugs, snatch grip pulls, rack pulls, um, clean pulls. So you're not doing the full Olympic lifts, which are the snatch and the clean and jerk. You're just doing like truncated versions of those. Those are great for getting super heavy weights up and then really getting some actual training done in that upper part of your back. Can you touch on rest period after heavy lifts? How many days on and off lifting? This is from Kay Mahoney. Hello, Kay. Oh, sorry. Katie Mahoney. <laughs> it's Mahoney, but I like Mahoney. Katie Mahoney. Um, well, I already touched on rest periods between heavy lifts. Three, a minute and a half to three minutes. Sometimes three to five. I, there's no problem with going longer. It's just most people don't have all day to be in the gym. But at the very least, 90 seconds. Um, how many days on off lifting? Honestly... Unless you're a physique athlete, you know, unless you're getting a paycheck for your body, for the, the look of your body, you really don't need to be lifting weights more than three days a week. If you have to be in there more than three days a week, you're not training hard enough. That's, I mean, people love to get these splits, you know, these professional bodybuilder splits where they're training six days a week. And they're doing chest day with the little triceps and then a leg day the next day. Fuck that. That's for, that's for super, super drugged out athletes with peak 
elite level genetics. Not only is it not useful for you, it's it's counterproductive. Okay? There are six movements that you must do. Okay? Outside of those six, you really don't have to do anything else. And by that I mean literally. I don't do much else. Besides these six movements, I do maybe three other exercises. And I split it up over three days. So if you're talking about six exercises over three days, that's two a day. And then with an, like an, an ancillary lift or an ancillary movement you know, to help things out. So let me give you the six movements here. Vertical push. Vertical pull. Horizontal push. Horizontal pull. Hinge and squat. Let me go over those again. Vertical push. When you push something vertically, overhead press with a barbell or a dumbbell. Those would be the two that you can uh, pretty much break it down to. So pushing the barbell over your head, working the shoulders, and the core stabilization of doing it standing. Please do this standing so that you get a complete exercise that you have to stabilize your body to do so. vertical pull that would be your pull downs your pull ups your chin ups where you're in a vertical fashion pulling yourself up or pulling something up down towards you in a vertical fashion that's working your pulling muscles uh, in your lats your grip your biceps and your upper back your mid back things like that that's getting your back and your biceps essentially and your rear delts if you move your body through the motion as opposed to moving something towards you, it is always a better option. Okay? So a pull up is better than a pull down. A chin up is better than a uh, reverse grip pull down. A dip is better than a decline bench. Um, moving your body through that motion with resistance, added resistance, is much better than um, staying stationary and moving your limbs. All right, so I've gotten the vertical push, vertical pull. Horizontal push, horizontal pull. Horizontal push being the bench press, the dumbbell bench press, incline press. Um, You get it. In a vertical fashion, excuse me, in a horizontal fashion, so if you're standing up, you're pushing away from your body, um, bench press. um, Anytime you're pushing perpendicular to your body. Uh, number one for me, in my opinion, the one that I like to, to really hammer home, dumbbell bench press. If you are competing in bench press in, in powerlifting, obviously you have to do the bench press. I do not think it's the best overall exercise. I think you can get more bang for your buck with heavy dumbbells. Better range of motion, better quality of isolation, um, just a more natural movement. Being able to separate your hands in a, in, and move them in a multi-directional fashion i just think it's safer better overall that's me if you really enjoy bench pressing fine um but for me those these are the movements so we got the vertical push i like chest dumbbell dumbbell bench press vertical uh pull i do seal rows which again are lying face down on a on a bench and pulling either dumbbells or barbell up towards your chest um you can do 
Pendley rows. You can do barbell rows. You can do Yates rows. Rows. That is a row. So you're moving something perpendicular to your body. My favorite is the seal row. When it comes to the ones I mentioned before, the um, vertical press and the vertical pull, my favorites are chin-up, weighted chin-ups, and uh, barbell overhead press. They're super hard. More bang for your buck, more growth, more uh, hormonal stimulation, and I don't want to waste time on shit I don't have to waste time on. If I can put a 60-pound barbell, or excuse me, dumbbell between my legs on a chain and do a chin-up with it for six to eight reps, I'd rather do that three times than have to worry about a crazy bicep training workout and my pull-down isolation lat routine. I get it all in one, and I work it hard. I work it to the point that I'm like, I cannot do another rep. Two to three sets, boom, hard. That's my vertical pulling right there in a nutshell. My vertical, uh, my vertical press is overhead barbell press. I do three sets, two, two maybe three sets of six to eight reps, heavy. Then I do my uh, vertical pressing, my dumbbell bench press, and my seal rows, my vertical pulling. Then we move on to the hinge, the deadlift. Not everybody can deadlift. I understand that. If you're super tall, it's hard. If you have super long legs, it's hard. Some people, they just, their bodies and build for it. But you can definitely do the trap bar deadlift. That is definitely, definitely a good uh, alternative. Also, heavy kettlebell rows. The hinge. When you move, you hinge at the middle of your body, at your waist, hinging, pushing it back. Not a squat. Pushing your weight backwards at your hips and hinging, breaking yourself in half like a jackknife and then coming back up to standing. The hinge must be done. Good mornings are another option. So we've got five now. The final one, the squat. I don't think I need to describe what a squat is. Um, but you don't need to barbell squat. I, I do think it is. there is some value in it. If you can front squat, do front squats. If you can low bar back squat, low bar back squat. If you can high bar back squat, high bar back squat. Um, if you can't do any of those because of mobility or you're just scared or whatever the fuck, goblet squat. I do goblet squats. I definitely can squat well with a barbell, but doesn't mean I don't goblet squat. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it for everyone, even if you're really, really, really high level. The goblet squat is an excellent exercise for bracing, for a body alignment, for mobility, for making you a better barbell squatter. The goblet squat essentially is a squat where you hold a dumbbell or a kettlebell right underneath your chin. Um, so that's it. That's my, my routine right there is squat deadlift, chins, rows, overhead press, and dumbbell bench press. Honestly, that's all I do. Now, you, you, I, at the beginning I said I do do some other supplemental exercises for the sake of what I need as I'm a martial artist. Uh, I'm a wannabe martial artist. And I also believe in longevity. I'm 41 years old. I want to be in great shape and, and moving well when I'm 81. Um, I do mobility stuff, and I also do um, some ab wheel rollouts. That's pretty much the extent of my core training is ab wheel rollouts and dragon flags or, you know, the Rocky exercise and Bruce Lee exercise where you see them holding themselves at like a uh, diagonal angle from a bench. That's what I do. I do some farmer's walks when I have extra energy and I want to work on my grip and things, which I do think is important. 
And there you go. Honestly, that's that's the extent of me being in the gym. I train three days a week when it comes strictly to weight training. And um, I, I honestly don't think you need more. Overtraining is far worse than undertraining, especially if you're following a good diet. Uh, let's see here. Got that one, got that one. From M. Quintero, 630. Stop using 5 by 5 due to gyms closing thanks to COVID. How do I start again? Same weight, scale it back. Thanks for your help. Uh, very good question. I'm a big fan of the 5 by 5 program, 5 by 5 strong lifts. Um, just Google it, 5x5 you know, program. It's free, it's simple to understand, and it gets people doing the right exercises. It gives you the exact rest periods, and it gives you uh, the appropriate weights to be using once you find your percentages. He brings up a good question. If you were training like a madman, using the 5x5 and really being strict with it and getting some progressive overload, and then all of a sudden the lockdown happens and you haven't been lifting for 90 days or something, do you go back to the same weights? No, no, you don't. You must assess your one rep maximum again, which is going to be far lower, for most of us, probably all of us, unless you own a gym or you have a home, a real home gym, and you start from there. You start from there. So you're going to drop your percentages down how it is appropriate to you. Everyone should be training in the the, the thing that I love about the 5x5. Five five, and then if you graduate from 5x5, five five, you do it six months or so. Uh, gym Wendler's 351 or 531 program. Um, is is fantastic. I definitely use a lot of his training principles for my own training. Um, or the Texas method, if you're really in search of like actual like overall strength. Um, but what these all have in common is there is a breakdown of percentages you're using that are applicable to you. Therefore, everyone is lifting the same, essentially the same intensity. What my 70% one rep maximum is is going to be completely different than yours and it's going to be completely different than half Thor's um, so you find the appropriate percentage of your one rep maximum and you start with that and you progressively get stronger and those percentages they start to add up to more weight so definitely reassess dude um, I know it's a pisser because, and I know it's discouraging because you put in all that work but it is you know you are going to have a lower um or training weight than you would prior to the lockdown. All right, I'm switching my account here to at Mike Catherwood. Are you doing the 10,000 kettlebell swing challenge in addition to your regular workout routine? From Brandon M. Pierce. Yes and no. I am doing the 10,000 kettlebell challenge, 10,000 kettlebell swing challenge, um, which is 500 kettlebell swings over 20 workouts in in four weeks. One month, 10,000 kettlebell swings, 500 kettlebell swings a workout. That program has other exercises designed into it. It's not just about doing the swings. Um, I, that is my workout program right now when it comes to strength and conditioning. I am also doing Muay Thai. I am also doing my runs. But that's just because, A, I'm at that training level of experience. I'm also I, – I mean, there are certain things that I want out of my training. And, I, and conditioning is a little bit more impro- uh, um, appealing to me right now than just overall strength. Um, so yes, I'm doing it in, in addition to my running and my Muay Thai, but I'm not doing any other weight training. What you see from Dan John's 10,000 kettlebell swing challenge, which I encourage everyone to do because challenges are great. They get you back on track and they get you excited about something. Um, 
that that is what I'm doing in total when it comes to strength and conditioning. Uh, I will actually do a podcast just about the 10,000 kettlebell swing challenge because I got about a dozen, maybe 50 to, to 25 people who are doing it with me who have contacted me via Instagram and Twitter. But I would love it to be like 500 people because, as I've said in Instagram posts, the 10,000 kettlebell swing challenge is not just a great, great, great routine for getting in better shape, looking better, feeling better, getting stronger. It's really hard and it's a great grind and it makes you feel good about yourself when you can complete it. I've already I'm like 6 workouts into 20 workouts. You know, it's uh, as I record this it's June 10th. I started on June 1st. So I've done like honestly I've done like 7 workouts. I've already wanted to quit. <laughs> like 5 times I've wanted to quit. But I'm committed to it and I have a challenge and I have something to get up in the morning and go, "Oh fuck." Let's do this. Okay, come on. I have to. I have to. It's not just like a normal day at the gym. I got to go, all right, here we go. Put on my fucking workout playlist and my earbuds, and I go after it. Um, so it, 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 there's a mental benefit to it, a spiritual benefit. Um, RxKid75, hey, Mike, working from home with kids means no dedicated workout time. How much less effective outside of lost elevated heart rate is me getting my lifting done over a four-hour span between paperwork? Excellent question. Not only is it not less effective, there's some science to say it might be more effective. It's called greasing the groove, at least according to Pavel Tatsulin. He is a pretty well-respected guy uh, in the world of health and fitness. He's pretty much responsible for bringing kettlebells to America from Russia. Pavel started this idea of greasing the groove. What that means is instead of going to the gym for a half hour and doing 20 sets of fill-in-the-blank exercises, you do them spread out all over the day. And the science backs him up. There are some studies. I, I don't have them on hand, but there are some studies, conclusive scientific proof that shows that greasing the groove or training, spreading your training out throughout the day can actually be really beneficial. Um, you're, you're, you're really elongating your rest periods, giving yourself the ability to do more weight and more reps. Um, and you're getting a, a slight metabolic boost sprinkled in throughout the day as opposed to just having it heavily, heavily thrown on you um, right at one big, you know, ballast. Um, that's my kind of main feeling about my 10,000 steps a day for everybody is that really I don't think the animal of human being is made to sit around on their ass all day and then do one hour to an hour and a half of extreme exercise. I think the animal of human being is really designed to be – spreading their workout throughout the day. That's why I think people who work in, in fields that actually demand labor tend to be in better shape than the average Joe, even the average Joe who exercises four to five times a week. Um, because we're, I think the homo sapien is really designed to be doing that. Um, if you analyze us against other animals in the animal kingdom, we're really not that fast. You know, Usain Bolt can go, you know, 25 miles an hour or something like that, but that's kind of baby shit in comparison to most mammals. We're not that great of swimmers. Um, if you look at like uh, Michael Phelps and compare, yeah, you know, he's a great swimmer compared to humans, but not compared to most sea animals. But what we are, we're pretty fucking good at endurance, and we're pretty good at going all day, just naturally. Um, so I do think that when you can kind of break your exercise up throughout the day like that, if you have the luxury of doing it, I. I'm in a weird position where I'm the alternative of this guy, RX Kid. I can't do that. I, I, 
I can get away, I can work it out with my wife where I can get away for like an hour to an hour and a half, but I can't be gone or, or take 20 minutes 10 times a day to do something. Um, so I have to do that, but I, I still encourage getting like walks in throughout the day for that reason, because I just think it's a little bit more chemically appropriate for us. Uh, let's see here. Thank you for your pod, bro. Well, you're welcome. SS Shakirian. That's right, bro. Shakirian, bro. I'm on a great training and diet routine, but what always sets me back are vacations, even though I try and get even leaner right before. How do I handle vacays with my family, wife, two kids, going to Maui? First off, awesome. Have fun. Secondly, don't look at vacations as – don't look at them as something that is taking away from your training. If you train like an animal, like you're going into a bodybuilding contest to go to your vacation in Maui and then don't work out at all while you're there and eat like a fucking pig, it completely defeats the purpose of what kind of fitness is about. What you should do is train like you train every day so that you can look and feel better, get in the groove, get that routine. I'm glad you found something that works for you. But going on vacation doesn't mean going on vacation from being happy and being healthy. Going on vacation means getting away from your job and, your, and the stresses of daily life and enjoying nature and enjoying sightseeing and enjoying whatever it may be that, ta- that draws you to wherever you're going. That does include food. Do I think you should be counting your calories and adding up your macros on a vacation? No, because that will in turn take away from your quality of life. But do I think that you be, because you're on vacation, that means it's a free-for-all and you can eat whatever the fuck you want and not move your body? Absolutely not, because that will take away from your quality of life. Maximize your vacation for what they're for, for you to feel better about yourself and feel better about the world around you. If that includes eating a piece of cake or having dessert at a fine restaurant that you go out with your family or going to the buffet and instead of having egg whites and, and sprouts, you have you know, a couple slices of bacon and a, and a cheese omelet. Yeah. Okay. Do do it. You know, you're on vacation. Enjoy yourself, but don't, don't <coughs> eat and be so inert that you in turn feel worse about yourself. Find the balance where you maximize the vacation. So don't neglect the happy fun shit with your two kids ordering a pizza you know, if you're staying at a hotel, getting room service with your kids and having an ice, uh, ice cream sundae, it's the shit, man. It's the bomb. Do that because you will feel better about life. But don't do that every meal. Definitely don't go to the gym as much for as long because you're on vacation with your family and you should spend that time with your family and spend that – maybe even get a couple hours alone. Get out of your head. Enjoy yourself. Feel better about life. But – don't be a complete fucking slob sloth where you just sit on your ass and do nothing. Get a couple walks in a day. When you're sightseeing, make sure you're getting your steps in. If you have the option to not drive somewhere, do it. If it's within a you know mile or two, get the family out and go, no, we're walking. We're going on a bike ride. Hit the gym maybe once or twice. Just do some basic resistance movements to keep your body moving, keeping the flow of, uh, uh, of, of, of circulation to your muscles. A deload week or, or 10 days or so is actually really good for you. But a deload week is not sit on my fucking ass, <laughs> is not attach myself to my iPad and go on a beach and drink margaritas. 
Okay, the deload, just like take take it off. Go 50%, not, not as heavy. Go maybe half as much as you would, but get in some exercise and eat. Eat what you want to eat, but don't don't make it an excuse to make yourself feel like shit. It took me a long time to get that through my skull. I ruined a lot of vacations, um, both by myself and with family, from taking out my 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 uh, little journal where I'm keeping every calorie and writing down every morsel of food that I put in my and asking the kitchen how much. Uh, uh, how much beef comes inside the the, the, the uh, how many eggs are using on an omelet and that's so that I could calculate it it's bullshit it's bullshit it didn't make me feel better it made me feel way worse as I'm watching other people eat yummy food I'm sitting there going what the fuck am I doing that's not vacation so there you go I'm going to break it down. To wrap things up, I'm going to give you some simple, basic kind of nuts and bolts of what it means to put together your training program. We went over the six essential movements. Find exercises that are within the, that, that fit the description of those movements that work for you. These six movements are, again, vertical push, vertical pull, horizontal push, horizontal pull, hinge, and squat. I will go over again what I prefer and what I use in my daily routine. The squat, I use the high bar barbell squat. Oftentimes, I use the goblet squat. Hinge, I use the deadlift. Sometimes, like right now, during, this, during the, the uh, lockdown, I do the kettlebell swing. Um, vertical push. I do the overhead barbell barbell press. Vertical pull, I do weighted chin-ups. Vertical press, I do dumbbell bench press. Vertical pull, I do seal rows. That is my workout in a nutshell. There's some a little, you know, there's some seasoning. A couple, like I said, I do farmer's carries and some, some ab work, you know, ab wheel rollouts. I, I try to really hammer those. But, but that really is about it. Break that up over two to three days. And follow a diet. Follow an, a, a nutritional program that is right for you and your goals. Now, you may be saying, but what about cardio? Not necessary. If you want to look good naked, cardio is not necessary. Does that mean you shouldn't do it? No. I'm simply telling you it's not necessary. So, you're going to say, I'm going to do cardio no matter what. I want to be lean. Honestly, it's not. It's really not crucial to getting leaner. Dieting and, and resistance training are the two absolute must-dos. Those are what are really going to make you look good in the mirror. But there is not. That, that's not to say that cardio doesn't have its value. So, what does that mean? What kind of cardio should I do? How long should I do it? Well, I've already told you two to three days um, weight training. I like two to three days of cardio as well. That really covers pretty much everybody. Unless you're a professional or a high-level college athlete, that's going to be good for everyone. The problem with cardio, okay, now I, I want you to understand this. People go out and they jog or they ride a bike or they do the elliptical thinking that they're going to burn calories. Here's the truth. You do. Steady state cardio does burn more calories than lifting weights. But burning calories through exercise is not, not an effective way to regulate your caloric intake. 
let's say a 185-pound dude. I'm 185 pounds. Let's use me. If I jog an eight-minute mile, which is a pretty good pace for me. I'm not a, I'm not a great runner. It's 555 calories in 30 minutes, okay? So you got to say, with 555 calories, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's a good amount. Well, if I go home, and I, I actually calculated this. This is, this is my meal. And I have eight ounces, okay, of skinless chicken breast, a cup of brown rice. That's a cup cooked, so it's like a third cup raw or, or dry, and uh, 200 grams of broccoli. That's 600 calories. And most of you don't eat like that. <laughs> most of you have a hamburger and fries or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not, I'm not talking shit, but I'm just being realistic so that you, you can apply this advice to you. So 555 calories for 30 minutes of running at a pretty damn good clip, that's, that's buried by even a really healthy meal. Okay? So here's, here's what you got to understand. Cardiovascular training is, is, is just that. It's great training for your heart and your respiratory system. It does have some metabolic benefit. It does burn calories. But that isn't necessarily a great thing. The respiratory effect of strength training is just as good, if not better. So if you're only doing it to, quote unquote, stay in shape and feel good, then walk. Walking every day. Lifting weights three days a week and walking every day. Your tits, man. <clears throat> now, this is different again if you're a competitive athlete in some sort. If, you, if you're a, a fighter, a wrestler, boxer, MMA fighter, uh, Muay Thai fighter, whatever it is, jiu-jitsu athlete, you're going to need to do some other ex- extended periods of conditioning. But if you just want to look good in the mirror, cardio is not it, kid. Cardio is not it. Now, if you're doing your three workouts a week, your three three weightlifting weight three weightlifting workouts a week, doing them in the fashion that I recommend, I don't see any problem in working in three cardio two to three cardio workouts a week. I like one to be really slow, really slow. Um. You, I, I would like people to have heart rate monitors. I understand everybody doesn't, and it's not really super necessary. But if you do have a heart rate monitor, I'm talking 50% maximum heart rate at the most. I want this to be an aerobic workout. Use body fat for fuel, using fat intake for fuel. Condition yourself to do so to get better at it. Also, it's keeping your aerobic base in check and, and bumping it up making you more conditioned. The real problem is that people by and large fall in the middle. They don't they they're not disciplined enough to go slow enough for your aerobic workouts and they're not conditioned enough to go hard, hard enough for high intensity training. So you end up falling in the middle, which is a dangerous place to be because you're not really getting much metabolic boost. In fact, you're burning a lot of potential muscle building, which is what you really need to look better. And you're not really in a fat-burning zone. You're burning off a lot of glucose, and you make yourself starving. So that is why you will oftentimes see CrossFitters or um, triathletes or marathon runners finish that finish, go across the finish line and look like shit. I'm not talking shit about triathletes, marathon runners, CrossFitters by any stretch of the imagination. 
being high level at anything is really impressive to me. Being high level at endurance sports is super impressive to me. You know why? Because I've never been good at it. So my, I, my, I tip my cap to you. But you're lying to yourself if you say that triathlon training or marathon training is a great way to look good because it isn't. There will be some people who are genetically gifted who also work in or, or, or who also work in resistance, resistance training or were already muscular and then transition into exercise, uh, endurance training that are going to look good crossing that finish line. But that is not the majority and you know I'm right. There are people who do fucking Ironman and I know I've gone. My brother-in-law is a, is a competitive Ironman racer, a disabled uh, Ironman. I've gone. I've seen it. You go to Kona and you're like, how the fuck did this person do this? How do they do all that exercise and they have man tits? I'm telling you, it, that this is why. So if your goal is to do an Ironman, if your goal is to win a CrossFit fucking competition or do a Tough Mudder or do a marathon, more power to you. Train hard, do it. If that's your goal. But if your goal is to look better in the mirror, to look good naked, that is not an optimal way to go about it because you fall in that middle zone. And... Hit training is dicey. What I know there's people out there that are like, what about high intensity interval training? There is some benefit to it, and everybody talks about the excess post exercise oxygen consumption, the EPOC, where if you do interval training, you can actually burn more calories over the long run after you're done exercising. Scientifically speaking, objectively speaking, this is true. It's just not that much. And in order to get that post-exercise oxygen consumption, you have to really do high-intensity intervals. And most people listening at times in my life, me included, are not capable of doing intervals that hard. Doing your battle ropes or your or your rowing at you know a minute forty five per uh, for five hundred meters for for thirty seconds, or doing you know a, a, a heavy jog for thirty seconds and then walking for thirty seconds. That's not high intensity interval training. High intensity interval training, real high intensity interval training, came about with professional athletes, high level Olympic level athletes. Elite level athletes going so fucking hard that you can't go more than like six seconds. The world famous Tabata protocol, 10 seconds on, uh, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. They were using professional cyclists that went fucking ham for 20 seconds. You understand? They were getting wattages that most of us can't even begin to sniff. So I just don't think like it's, it's this, it's this panacea and that every uh, you know i responsibly i'm trying to get you to understand what you can do to maximize your time in the gym and to maximize your ability to look better and feel better and i'm telling you it's just this is like a self-defeating thing for 90 percent probably over 90 percent of the people listening so if you want to lose body fat, if you want to gain muscle, if you want the, here's the best way to go about. It. Honestly, the best way to go about it. I am I am living proof. I got down to like 5%, like legitimate 5% body fat. By walking 10 to 13,000 steps a day and lifting weights and really monitoring my diet. High protein 
calories at a at a rate that I needed them to be about a 500 to 400 calorie def, uh, deficit from my basal metabolic rate. That's it. If you want something fancier, more exciting, I'm sorry. But there's a reason why fancy and exciting hasn't been getting the job done for most of you. Because you've been sold a fucking big line of bullshit. (coughs) And all these amazing uh, fancy diets and exercise programs that you see on Instagram, they make for good visual. The optics are there. And I understand from a PR standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, they're great. But for you applying them, they're fucked. They are fucked. Get strong. Get strong in the six movements that I told you. Take a workout journal to the gym. Write down your weights and reps. Progress in the six to eight rep range so that your weights are going up in those six movements from in the six to eight rep range. Do that consistently. Get your walking in. Don't be lazy about it. Do it. Get your walking in. Sitting and being a, being a fucking sloth is not good. And follow a diet. Listen to episode 15 when it comes to diet. Listen to it over again. Bump your protein up. Understand how many calories you're intaking. Understand how many calories you need. If you need to gain weight, add on 500 calories. If you need to lose weight, take off 500 calories. If you like low carb, high fat, do it. If you like fucking high fat, or excuse me, high carb, uh, low fat, do it. If you're vegan, do it. If you're carnivore, do it. Just get high protein and get your calories where they need to be. Lift weights, six to eight rep range, progressive overload, three days a week. Get your walking in. That's it. Okay? Now listen to these commercials. Hey there. It's me, Mike Catherwood. And you know what? I take really, really good care of my pubic region. I'm not trying to be yucky. I'm not trying to do locker room talk. I'm being serious. I oftentimes made the mistake of shaving all the way down, using a straight razor, getting nicks and bumps. I try to I try to regular old like hair electric razor, a clipper just yanked it i got ingrowns it was it was it was a disaster now thanks to manscaped that's right manscaped.com i got it all in check it looks beautiful it's a perfectly manicured man garden millions millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to manscaped's advanced skin safe technology so listen to me waste no time if you're concerned about your genitalia, get 20% off and free shipping with the code MikeLikes. That's M-I-K-E-L-I-K-E-S at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code M-I-K-E-L-I-K-E-S. And as always, your balls will thank you. Manscaped.com. While I have your attention... I want you to be excited and have fun during the lockdown. You may be saying, well, how the heck do I do that? You can bet. You can bet on sports. Just go to betonline.ag. Bet on sports, you say? There's no NBA, no NHL, no Major League Baseball. (laughs) Bet online has your back. NASCAR's here. NASCAR, bet on it, baby. Madden, NBA 2K, 
other games. That's right, gaming. You can bet on it. You sure can. Dana White made sure that there's UFC, and it is all the time because they got to make good on that huge Disney deal. So bet on the UFC. They also have an online casino at Bet Online. That's right. Blackjack poker, a lot of fun to be had. And be sure to check out the final dance with roundtable interviews from ex-Chicago Bulls Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper as they discuss the Michael Jordan documentary in full. It's actually really, really fascinating. So, there's still fun to be had. Go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Okay, so let me just hammer this home so you guys can really understand it. I'm not, I don't want to be like this taskmaster and I don't want to seem like I'm calling anybody stupid. I've fallen for the same routine. I've done every fucking wacky workout routine there is. I've been standing on BOSU balls and I've been fucking doing, uh, you know, intervals with with olympic lifts and i've done f45 and crossfit and you name it i've done it all i've i've tried to work on my olympic lifting i've tried to uh be i was a competitive power lifter for a time i've i've stepped on a bodybuilding stage i did a triathlon i don't know how the fuck i did a triathlon i don't even really know how to swim but my point being is like i've gone i bit i bit on all the bait it wasn't until I really, for like two years, decided that's it. I got my fitness pal. That was my, instead of, instead of, I started with just a pen and paper, writing down my calories, writing down my protein, fat, and carbs, getting it to exactly where I wanted it to be, staying there, being disciplined, but also not being so, you know, being flexible, understanding that life happens, not being angry at myself when I do have some donuts or pizza. I had some pizza this weekend, driving back from, I went out to the woods with my family. It was late at night. My wife and I were starving, and I was like, "Fuck! I'm not going to find a uh, some some steamed salmon. Let's get a pizza." My my wife went online, found a pizza joint in the town upcoming, ordered it, picked it up, loved it. Baboom, bitch! And I enjoyed every every goddamn bite. But I understand that that comes within my diet. An eighty twenty rule: eighty percent of the time I'm eating. Steam fish and, and buffalo and my I, I like my broccoli and zucchini and mushrooms and you know I got my, my staples and I, I and I do it. I do the damn thing. And I did that and I do it consistently for a prolonged period of time. And I lift weights and I monitor how much weight I'm lifting and how many reps I'm lifting. And I progressively get heavier with those. And I found exercises that really work for me. And I jettisoned ones that could I couldn't I couldn't deal with. Like the bench press. And I stayed with it. And I didn't get fucking, uh, I didn't get, you know, brainwashed into shifting my program every three weeks. I didn't find something new and sparkly and shiny that, I, that made me, uh, that, that beckoned to me with its, with its ravenous demands on the internet. And then I just switched it up. I did it. And I walk, and I walk, and I walk, and I love walking. I love walking my doggies. I love walking with my daughter who's learning how to ride a bike. I love it. I love getting out in nature. It makes me feel better. I love walking because it makes me feel better, and it's awesome. And I consistently did it. And the next thing you know, people are like, fuck, you look great. How much cardio do you do? I don't really do much cardio, man.
you know, I box and I do Muay Thai. I do. And I do, I, for a time, for a couple years, I was doing lots of jujitsu too. I don't factor that in because I actually had to overcome doing those things. I actually have to really tweak my diet extra because I added those things in. Most of you aren't doing that. If you want to, do it because it's great. I, I factor that in more to play and for emotional, spiritual growth than I do for, for my actual training. My training is about feeling good and looking good. My Muay Thai is about becoming a better Muay Thai fighter. And I don't conflate the two. It's, it's no different. Muay Thai is no different to me than guitar. I practice guitar because I want to get better guitar. Not, I don't practice guitar for a six-pack. And I don't do Muay Thai for a six-pack or, or for uh, you know lean arms. I do Muay Thai because I want to learn how to fucking do Muay Thai. I want to learn how to do devastating leg kicks and spinning elbows and fuck people up. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, just take that in consideration. When it comes to my training and my diet, that's what it's about is, is those core things I'm telling you. Okay? Any questions, please do not hesitate. DM me. Tweet me. At MikeyLikesYou1. At Mike Catherwood. All right? In this crazy mixed-up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, I do. Be good, people. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.